Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My co-host is Bruce Aldrich, and today we have two unusual circumstances. Our guest is Mark Aldrich, who has the same last name as my co-host, Bruce. And today we're also experimenting with uh, Instagram Live. So it's our first um, time in that. It's our episode number 101. So our, our guest is, as I mentioned, Mark Aldrich, and I just met Mark and his friend um, by happenstance during uh, Monterey Auto Week, and uh, I had an assignment, and it's a little bit about me here, but I had a few hours to, to write, find someone, write something, and I turned left on Dolores off of Carpenter, off of Ocean Avenue, and there was Mark and his friend in, in one of the you know most beautiful cars there. All these big cars have their fancy engines and their Lamborghinis and Maseratis, and they have the great growl, and there's Mark in his 1959 Metropolitan Nash, which took my breath away. So, Mark, thanks for being available and for being our guest today on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, James. Could you, I know the backstory a little bit, but could you introduce us to your car and tell us a little bit about its history and, and uh, why you were of, uh, interested in, in that particularly wonderful American car? Sure, happy to do that. Um, it is a 1959 Nash Metropolitan, although they dropped the Nash name after 1957. It became American Motors at that point and was sold under the name Metropolitan. It looks a lot like the um, Nash Ramblers of the era, but it's a smaller car. It's, um, it actually was built in England for Nash uh, using a lot of Austin components. Uh, I always had an affinity for the Nash Rambler products, uh, given that my family had a 1959 uh, Rambler station wagon, and um, I was such a such a car crazy kid that my dad towed a 1950 Nash Rambler station wagon in the backyard for me to play in when I was little, uh, even though it had no engine or anything else. So, yes, <laughs> so it's been kind of a family brand. And you've owned the car. I think you mentioned to me when I was uh, interviewing you for for 33 years, and I forgot the rest of the story of how you found it and what that uh, acquisition was all about. Sure. Uh, I bought it in, I think it was December of 1986, so almost 33 years. Yes. Uh, I had a young family at the time, uh, and uh, but I'd always wanted to get a, a classic car. We were at the uh, Pomona swap meet, antique car swap meet, uh, at the Los Angeles County Fairgrounds that year. And... I think I'd just gotten a bonus or something at work, so I had some money and spotted this little, it's a convertible. At that time, it was yellow and white. Yes. Uh, owned by a guy named Fred Willard out of Riverside, and he had a um, number of old Metropolitans that he, you know, would use the parts from and restore and so on. And it was reasonably priced. I think I paid about $3,000 for it in 1986, and it, it looked pretty good, although I, I was to find that it had a number of issues that needed attention as, as the years went by. Yes. Uh, you mentioned um, also that as years went by, you have um, twin daughters, and your twin daughters, one of your daughters, I didn't ca- think I caught their names when I was talking to you, but um, one, of the daughter, one of your daughters enjoyed taking the car to school, and as if I remember correctly, one of your daughters didn't want much to do with it. So, uh, right. And, and then well, the, one of them was too afraid to drive it. I see. I <laughs> see. Jennifer. Yes. 
And Allison figured that this was the only car they were going to get, so she had to learn how to do it. And uh, uh, so uh, I restored it somewhat before then. That was in the 90s. Um, I think they started high school in 1990. And just before that, I uh, rebuilt the engine. We had to bore it out and put new rings in it to, you know, it wouldn't burn oil. And uh, they uh, they wanted me to change the color to a more of a turquoise and white. Uh, that there was an original color of that year. It was called Caribbean Green, and it looks it looks like a turquoise. So it's yes. two tone turquoise and white, and everybody loves the color. Um, I get a lot of comments on that, and uh, it was a good choice. And uh, so they they drove it in high school, um, or at least Allison did. And um, occasionally uh, we would lose track of the car because the football team would pick it up and hide it. Yes, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's so light; it's like eighteen hundred pounds. You know, yes. it's just not that big. And um, so I think once you found it on the fifty-yard line at the uh, you know at the football stadium, and you know fun things like that, I get some frantic calls. Dad, someone's stolen the Metropolitan, you know, and I said, well, look around, you know. That's a great story. These Metropolitans, they're they're, they're a very unusual car. I kind of compare them like a VW Bug. They're, you know, not the most handsome car, but they're supposed to be personal. Their personal transportation, for one, is the way that I understand they were kind of marketed. A people's car. It does have a very small back seat and when the convertible top is down there's no room but uh when the top is up there's a little kind of shelf seat back there and then the, there's also a hard top version that has a small back seat but it's really really mainly comfortable for two you can squeeze three in the front because it has a bench seat it has a three speed on the column three on the tree as they say yes the it is a small car it's it's really about the size of a volkswagen it's i think it's only about 90 inches long, uh, or uh, and it's got a four-cylinder engine uh, built by Austin uh, in the front, the same engine block that was used in the MGA and a number of other MG Austin products. Um, yes. Nash built in England to save money at the time, and they had you know they were able to use a lot of the British components uh, like the transmission and, and unfortunately the Lucas electrics, you know, Lucas, the Prince of very unfortunate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, one of the things I had to do when I first restored it was that I was having such a problem with electrical shorts that I, um, had to put in a new wiring harness. And when I, when I restored it for the girls to drive, I just tear it, tore it down and took out all the wiring and put in a new wiring harness. And that solved a lot of the problems. I it was, it was pretty scary. You'd be driving down the road at night, and the lights would go out and things like that. <laughs> but uh, but since then, it's been pretty reliable, and uh, it gets pretty good mileage. It's a little uh, um, hard to uh, to get up to speed. You know, it, it'll go 55, 60, but it's pretty high revs at that point, and it's geared pretty low, uh, and uh, you don't want to drive it you know, on the freeway too long and it'll heat up, but, but it does get there. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's more of a round the town car. I'd, I'd like to take you for a race. I have a 59 bug and 
We, ah. we, we drag race you, but <laughs> that's, that's I, I was looking at an old road and track, and uh, apparently they did a test on the two cars back in the day, back in the early 50s. Well, mid And I'll bet the Met won. The Met won like yes. half the times to 0 to 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 22 seconds yeah. versus 39. So you, you got a real race car there. Yeah. That's great. Wow. You know, that's, well, the, the Volkswagen engine, I think, was pretty small at that point, maybe. Yeah, it was 36 horse versus, I think you had a yeah, a big old honking 52 horse or something like that. Isn't it rated? Yeah. Mark. Yeah, um, 1500cc engine, and, you're, and the Volkswagen's probably, what, about 1100 at that point? Or, yep, or yep. Mark, one, yeah. of the, one of the neat things I really enjoyed when I spoke with you is, as I mentioned earlier, you have, you know, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and other kinds of uh, expensive vintage cars, and... You're a, a successful attorney in, in Orange County. I don't know if you wear a suit to work or not, but the, the juxtaposition of, of um, all those fancy cars and you and your buddy um, there in your, in your uh, casual clothes with your, with your Metro, um, it was just yeah. it was so refreshing. And then I asked you about that, and you said, well, and you didn't say it in any kind of uh, you know, lofty way. You just said, well, you know, in Southern California, in our area, um, a Lisa Viejo, I think it is, um, the, you know, a Porsche or a Tesla or some other high-end cars or, or a dime a dozen. And so you get more attention, um, if I'm correct, than those cars. And in, in fact, uh, you told me that uh, your car caused an, caused an accident, not that it was your fault, but that a lot of, oh, people, yeah. a lot of people look at it. And, and uh, there was one case where it caused an accident. Yeah, yeah, we live near uh, in Aliso Viejo near Laguna Beach, and so yes. it's a fun car to drive down Coast Highway, and it gets a lot of looks, and, you know, it's just so unusual and fun that, you know, uh, my saying is that um, uh, dogs bark and kids laugh at it, you know. Yes. It brings a lot of smiles, but people get quite fixated on it, and it's a little scary, you know, they'll be tracking you on the freeway or whatever. One, one day I was at a uh, signal and a person across the street was turning left uh, in, you know, into the intersection and caught, uh, caught and their eye. The car caught their eye, and they stopped in the middle of the intersection, and the car behind them ran into them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. So, you know, it's just kind of um, an attention-getter. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it's just uh, quite fun. Uh, the car's uh, easy to take to shows. Um, there are some tie-down brackets in the front of the car that were originally used to tie the car down to the deck of the ship that was shipping it from England to the United States. Well, those brackets are perfect for mounting a tow bar. So I have a, a nice little um, collapsible tow bar that even fits in the trunk of the car that I use to tow it. So I just flat tow it behind my SUV, and you can take it to shows pretty easily that way uh, without a trailer and um so that that's kind of fun as well. That's you, pretty slick. I never I heard never of that. Heard of, I think you mentioned it to yeah. me, but I had forgotten about that. Uh, you told me also, um, and by the way, just to reiterate, this is Monterey Auto Week. It's uh, you know the combination of what almost forty events now, um, from the famous Concorde Elegance to Concorde on the Avenue in, in Carmel, where you were, to the little car show over in Pacific Grove, to memorabilia, to all kinds of you know, specialty events. And, and that's where I saw you. And you had mentioned that this was your second occasion at that event. And so how do you determine with your schedule, your, you know, what your work schedule is, your family schedule, which events that you're going to go to? And, and um, have you been to quite a few? Yeah, it, we just, 
you know, uh, fit them in as we can. Uh, I did go earlier in 2015, had a great time, and also had a wonderful time this year uh, at the Monterey events. Um, in 2015, we also attended the Little Car Show in is that Pacific Grove. Yes. This year, it conflicted with the Carmel Mission Classic, which is a car show at the Carmel Mission. Yes. It's quite historic, and we got in there this year with you know, limit of 50 cars. So that was pretty fun. Yes. And we've been picked as the uh, October calendar page photo for their 2020 calendar. <laughs> for Fantastic. The Carmel Mission Classic. So, wow. Again, you know, with some pretty high-end cars, which is pretty fun. Oh, I to bet. To be in that group. Um, we also went to the Concourse of the Lemons, which is the, um, you know, the car show for all of the beater cars and yes. oddball makes and, and, you know, the worst car wins kind of thing. Sure. And we kind of fit in there, too, because even though the car looks good, it's just so odd that it, it we had fun there. And we ended up, uh, we, a, a picture was taken uh, that appeared uh, along with a series of pictures in Automobile Magazine this month. Oh, fantastic. Uh, of our car at the show. <laughs> That's great. So, You're so quite a celebrity. We, we, well, and, and that article was picked up by the place that did the restoration work on the Metropolitan. There's a place in um, North Hollywood called the Metropolitan Pit Stop, if you can believe it or not, and they specialize exclusively in the restoration of Metropolitan. Only in L.A. And they yeah, have only a, in L.A., They have yeah. a museum there. They have a number of show cars that were built on, you know, the Metropolitan body and... Um, great people uh, they did a lot of the work and it's also a recording studio which oh, is kind of fun gotta go visit that <laughs> by the way you've, you've just crushed my ego which is a you know a lesson to be learned i thought i put you on the map with my little article in the monterey herald but you've you've become quite a celebrity um in, in well uh, it was just a picture it wasn't it wasn't nearly as uh, <laughs> personal as the article that, that you wrote which was wonderful yeah. but people picked up uh, the, those articles and and sent them to uh, the owner of Metropolitan Bitstop, June Valentine, and and there was a whole blog that started with, you know, people commenting on the article. Um, so we kind of went viral, I guess, which is Great. kind of fun. Heck now, yeah. what... we've also towed the the car to uh, we towed it up to Coeur um, d'Alene, Idaho. They have a big car show every year called Car d'Alene. Yeah, oh, what a great I, name! Yeah, I and my sister lives up there, so we we towed it, find our RV up there. We had a an older RV um, that uh, we would tow the car with, and um, the uh, on the back of the Metropolitan, I put a bumper sticker that says, "Don't honk! I'm pushing as hard as I can." Very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. do, do you have other unique cars that uh, older cars? You know, sort of you know, cars that nobody I, else I, wants. I'm looking for a 1953 or 54 Studebaker. Uh, I had Studebakers when I was younger. I like you like the off orphan makes. I guess I had a '50 uh, Studebaker Champion sedan uh, in high school, and then uh, I later had a '63 Lark. So I'm kind of a Studebaker um, fan. I belong to the club, even though I don't own a car. But when I my first year in college, I was at uh, University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, which is where they made Studebakers. Yes, and so. 
on the weekends I would go out to the junkyards outside of South Bend and take parts off the cars and send them home to keep the Studebaker running. Oh my gosh, that's a great story. <laughs> in your earlier in your earlier years when you just needed transportation, basic transportation, were you driving, you know, Gremlins and AMC Hornets? Yes, and- I, I did have not one but two different Gremlins. My father-in-law uh, gave me his old Gremlin, a 70 uh, copper-colored Gremlin. Oh, uh, my. When I was first married, we needed a second car, and he generously gave me that car you know, that he had used for a number how of about years. A, how that. about a Pacer? Um, I, I did not own a Pacer, but my parents owned a 76 Pacer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the first year they came out, blue with uh, all the options, nice car. Um, you know, it had an amazing amount of glass in that car. It sure it did. Very warm. My dad ended up putting, like, screens, pasting screens <laughs> inside of the glass so they wouldn't fry. Um, I also had a 76 Hornet Sportabout Oh, wagon. yes. Oh, sure. That's great. Uh, which was, was great for the young family. And uh, I also had a, a 79 AMC Spirit, which probably nobody remembers. I, I don't remember. No, I don't. <laughs> Sedan? Uh, a later version of the Gremlin, uh, and they kind of tried to modernize it with a fastback hatch. It was a nice little car. It had a four-cylinder engine built by Volkswagen, uh, an Audi for uh, that year. I'll have to look that one up. That sounds interesting. Did they make it in convertible? No, it was just just a hatchback uh, and a a kind of Gremlin-like model as well. That was just for a couple of years. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was a big AMC fan. Mark, and, um, uh, I know that you mentioned, I, I didn't ask you at the time, I didn't, when I talk to people, sometimes I feel a little awkward about asking purchase prices, but you mentioned it earlier, and what it triggered a thought of you having people try to purchase your car, and I think even you mentioned uh, Jay Leno's uh, came by one time at a show, maybe it was on the Concours, and other people have... Um, try to acquire the car for you, and I think you told well, me it's yeah, not for it sale. Well, yeah, we we were at we actually got into the Concours uh, in Beverly Hills a couple yes. of years ago, uh, and uh, you know just you know one of these things. And uh, Jay Leno did have a car there, and this was at the Greystone Mansion in Beverly Hills, which is a wonderful venue. And he had a 53 Cunningham that he was showing, and so early in the morning he was walking around and saw my car, came over and talked to me and said his wife wanted one and asked me about it. He didn't actually offer to buy it, but he did compliment and graciously let me take my picture with him. And he's, he's, I've seen him a couple of times at shows. He's very friendly. He's a nice, nice guy. guy. Yeah. Nice guy, yes. He was also at uh, Monterey Car Week this week at the Concord d'Elegance. Uh, he was auctioning off um, tours of his garage. Oh, uh, charity uh, uh, auction items at the Concord d'Elegance, which was very nice of him. Yes, he does uh, some The other forms. car I've owned, I, I should mention, I, I had this other Gremlin. My first brand new car was a 73 uh, Gremlin uh, that had the Levi's interior. It was the oh, Gremlin my. X. And it had, that year they were offering an interior that was totally upholstered in uh, Levi's material. <laughs> Wow. I remember that that feature. I don't know that I've ever seen one, but uh, mm-hmm. did, did it actually look like the material in your pants? It did, but it was it was more of a nylon 
material. You know, it uh-huh. looked and it had the stitching and the copper rivets and all of that, and the color was right. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't cotton. It was it was more stretchy nylon type material, so it was comfortable to sit on. And uh, but it it looked pretty cool. They were trying everything, I guess. I I noticed also. They were. I noticed. Pardon me. I, w- I was noticing doing doing a little research on. And obviously not to the extent that you know your car, but one year they sold 23,000 or 24,000 of your car, and um, if that's accurate. And do you happen to know how either thousands still out there or under a thousand, or do you have any idea of how how rare the car is? Yes, it was. These cars were made. Uh, from 1954 through 1961. Yes. Uh, and over the course of the uh, years they were manufactured, they made about 95,000. That's them. right. And uh, the, the best year was 1959, which is the year of my car. And it, they did make about 23,000, 24,000 that year. And the reason that it was surged in popularity was up to that year, the car did not have a trunk lid an exterior trunk lid. You had to fold down the back seat to get into the trunk area. Wow. They were trying to of save course, money on of course you did. Of course you did. That's right. <laughs> course, Sounds you know. like a VW trick. Fortunately, <laughs> the spare tire was on the, you know, it's like a Continental kit on the outside, but yeah. nevertheless, very inconvenient. So that year they, they made, uh, made them with an exterior trunk lid, and they also added wind wings that year and some other oh improvements. So it, was, it made a little surge in their popularity. But, of course, in 19... 59 and 60, and especially 1960, all the new compact cars came out, and they were bigger and had, you know, automatics and more creature comforts, and it just kind of killed their market, so they, they let it go in 61. I was going to ask you that, Mark, uh, in, in the line of how it's kind of similar to an, an old VW Bug. Um, did they just make—I'm sure they didn't make evolutionary changes. They made little little tiny—or or it was evolutionary, not it, revolutionary. Yeah, the, the just, body— the body never really changed. It was pretty much the same, the whole, uh, uh, the whole uh, run, you know, production run. However, from in '54 through '55, I think they were uh, they did not have a two-tone car with the chrome striping on the side. Instead, the the body was mainly one color, and maybe the top was white or a different color. But in I think it was '56, they changed to a, a two-tone stripe and a uh, chrome strip al- along the side of the car, which made it look kind of longer and and more modern. And that style continued to the end of production. Oh, yes. And did you guys, did you have a uh, gas gauge on yours, and when did they use start that? They, uh, they always had a gas gauge, um, but the gauge I added, uh, which was an option, was a combination temperature gauge and oil pressure gauge, which I installed in the dash. But uh, in the uh, standard uh, instrumentation, you got a big speedometer, and then at the bottom end of the speedometer, there's a little gas gauge. So unlike VW, I think at the time, you didn't, you didn't right. have one. Right, didn't have one, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. didn't have one. So you yes. were pretty, that, that yeah. was a luxury car then you're driving. <laughs> hey, Mark, oh, yeah. Uh, it had a heater, you know, came standard with a heater and a radio and um, some nice appointments that for the time were considered nice it had you know even from 54 it had directional signals to turn indicators which were just coming into vogue and it had 12 12 volt 12 volt and electric uh, power electric windshield yeah. wipers probably right 
I did have a yeah. chance to sit in the car down there for a, a minute, and it, I think my heart skipped a couple of beats. It was just fantastic, you know. And and I wanted to prep. It's quite roomy inside. Oh, it was. You know, it's it's great. Roomy. Uh, the bench seat was kind of a thing. It's Nash did a a number of uh, surveys and showings of the uh, initial concept car, and they they got feedback uh, from the public that they wanted a bench seat and three speed on the column, which is hard to believe now because you know, I mean, everybody wants the floor shift, and right. Bucket seats and all that, but. At the time, uh, that was more standard, and so they did that, um, changed it from the original design, and uh, so and part of it was the head of uh, Nash Motors, George Mason, was a very large man apparently, and he wanted to be able to fit in it. <laughs> so, oh yes. So <laughs> there's quite a bit of room in it. <laughs> yes, there was for uh, for bigger people. Hey, I didn't want. I want to preface this by saying I wasn't stalking you or being voyeuristic, but I was over at the Embassy Suites and I saw your car in the parking lot. I believe, unless there were two of your cars down there, I think, believe it was your car. And I, I thought, how could I get your attention and have you park your car next to the Lamborghini Coupe that was parked in front oh. of the hotel? <laughs> I thought that would have been. I would have been a great juxtaposition because they're basically oh, the same side, but. But that car, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that car. It was beautiful. I'm sure you agree. And that was parked there for oh. three or four days. Yeah, I think I saw that. Uh, there was just incredible cars at that uh, show. And and all week they're just, you know, and they're being driven all around, you know. It's just amazing. Uh, I think we were at the Embassy Suites for the um, retro auto or automobilia exhibit they had there. Yeah, I was there and, for uh, myself. It was great. A lot of nice yeah, art. So lot to do by the way uh next week we're going to have a I, I saw this guy about a year ago here in, in east sacramento i saw this guy at a local market in his studebaker and i lost track of the guy but i was walking in our neighborhood the other day and i saw the car in a driveway so i left my business card and the guy called me back and we're going to interview this man next week who owns a um studebaker are they mark are they named with mark mark three is mark mark two mark three something like that but it's hmm. it's a it's a wagon, and uh, maybe I have the the name wrong, but it's it's pretty nice looking. Not quite as nice looking as yours, but he's done some work to it, and it's his daily driver. He works, you know, in, in downtown Sacramento. So uh, we're going to have a nice chat with him next week. So that should be interesting too. Oh, so. that's great. Well, I'll give you my regards as, as <laughs> a Studebaker aficionado. Sure, I'll make sure to mention it. Um, you mentioned I'm thinking of other things you shared with me. Uh, um, uh, other people have tried to purchase the car and I, I did look on and I'm sure you have you know this better than I do but I looked on some of the auto trader and other things and, and then the cars are the really nice ones are in the am I correct they're 20 to 25 thousand or is it higher than that for the convertibles yes if they're in really top original condition yeah I think one just sold at an auction this this past year for 26 something. Wow. Which was, I think on a high water mark, you know, for for those, it sure. was a convertible. The hard tops um, tend to go lower, maybe maybe you know, ten to fifteen thousand, or or maybe a little higher, yes. depending on the condition. But there is a, a there are a lot of them that have survived. People kept them, you know, and I I can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, oh, my sister had one, my you know, my dad drove one, you know, I learned to drive on one. It's like they 
they were kind of kept and passed around because they were cheap transportation. Sure. And um, there is a Metropolitan Owners Club uh, in Southern California. There's a club called the SoCal Mets, and they're fairly active. And because the car used uh, Austin MG components, the, the mechanical parts are pretty available because they were used in a wide variety of British cars. Yes. And, you know, the club is quite good. So I think there are a few thousand still still surviving out there. I, I realize, I think I read that the original price was just under $1,700 if you bought the car new. Something, yeah, something yeah. Like that. and, you know, changed a little over the years. But, yeah, I think it was it was in that uh, price range. Yes. And uh, so pretty good appreciation, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Very good. Well, Mark, uh, hang on the line for us, if you will, at the end. But we want to thank you for being uh, our guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast. It's It was great to have a chat with you and to interview you and, and to meet you a couple times just on the telephone and have you share your car with us. It's uh, it's uh, my kind of car. You know, you can have those Lambos and Ferraris and all that, but I'll, t- I'll take your car or a Studebaker or some other vintage average man's car every, James every day. James has always loved his Studebakers. I, I always, I've always loved my Studebakers and Ramblers, Ramblers and yep. um, my family had a yeah. couple too. So so thanks thanks for your time today. We well, really appreciate you. it. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, and I really appreciated the article, and uh, I think we have a similar tastes in cars, so that's, that's fun as well. Okay. Thank well, thanks, you, Mark. Mark.